0: I would like to play my new composition. (laughs) Only those with keen perceptive hearing will be able to distinguish this melodious charm of... Yes, and what do you do?
1: I have a creative mind.
0: You can't play the liar, Doctor.
1: Can't I, child? (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.
0: It's
1: a wonderful idea.
0: (laughs) I'll put it into operation at once. Carts! Here!
1: Hello and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, all of it, the whole TV show, every single story in random order. I'm Pete Paschal.
0: And and I'm Chris Taylor. And today we're not so much going in random order as Roman order. As we have reached the Romans... Uh, that William Hartnell uh, romp. And uh, this I still maintain as a result of what happened uh, four to Opens ago, uh, four regular shows <laughs> ago, when we went to the Eaters of Light. And, uh, right. and, and that was a very Roman episode. I challenged the randomizer then to take us to uh, something else featuring the Romans. Uh, so right. it took or us to the Romans. power of Daleks. And then to Frontiers, and then to the Clause of Access. And then for the Clause of Access, uh, we had uh, our good friend uh, Nathan in Australia from uh, Flight Through Entirety uh, also has this website, TheRandomizer.net. We used that to take us to Season 2, Serial 4 of the very original series in 1965, ladies and gentlemen, The Romans.
1: I'm convinced that Nathan's Randomizer is our biggest fan. (laughs) <laughs> that's what it was it's like our own randomizer was like yeah whatever that's what it likes to play with us it's like it eh, does. maybe i'll do it maybe i won't but nathan's randomizer was like oh yeah you want romans you got it you're gonna you're gonna get the most romans you're gonna get the one with romans in the title chris i'm serving this up for you <laughs>
0: so uh, many romans not not a single alien or
1: robot in sight
0: we are we are pouring one out for the pure historical uh, oh yeah, yeah the pure historical that's right yeah yeah absolutely uh-huh. it's one one of the few and uh we can talk about why it worked and worked and why it didn't work but uh but first of all let's uh let's take a look at the weekend review of uh pull to open the franchise
1: yeah um, so um it's been a great week we we've had some good stuff on the socials um so on tiktok our most uh active network we are at seven seven thousand three hundred followers and climbing look out We're approaching 10K. We're definitely going to do something special when that happens. Um, There's been some talk. We did our special episode about uh, Shuti Gatwa, Mm -hmm. who, of course, has been announced as the doctor. And this is very important because uh, the crowd on TikTok (laughs) has a lot of opinions, shall we say, on whether uh, Shuti Gatwa will be the 14th doctor, which, of course, we already know is sort of incorrect numbering.
0: Yeah, uh, as it
1: is, it only counts if
0: you believe that John Hurt never, never ascended to the name of Doctor.
1: Well, it's kind of also. What do you mean by the numbering? Do you yeah. mean the number of people who have actually inhabited the same body on the show, or do you mm. mean like lead actors slash actresses who have right. who have played the role? And in in the latter case, it's I guess it's the fourteenth yeah. if you think about it. Um,
0: Again, if don't count John, right? If you just say, yeah. He's, he's, yeah, you you sort of have to sweep him under the carpet, right? And Moffat yeah, I needs mean, a exactly special what guest star, right?
1: <laughs> a special guest star. Does it count? I guess you could say it does, but it kind of doesn't in a in the lead of the show kind of sense. Yeah, um, but. We, we, it's more fun to think about it in the show, right? Like is, is, again, and we talked about this already, is he going to be the 14th Doctor? Is there going to be Doctors in between? Are yes. there alternate universe, universe, multiverse Doctors that are all going to come together for the 60th anniversary special? It could yeah. be all of those things. We are we going
0: to talk Timeless Child or is that just being swept under <laughs> the rug of the TARDIS uh, along with the pocket watch?
1: Well, there's also the centenary. Centenary. What? How do we pronounce that word? I don't know. Centenary. Centennial. (laughs) Centurion to the centenary. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Uh, centurion, arrest this man. So the uh, the centenary special, I'm just calling it that. That's my word. Um, centenary. We resolve it in that one. Yeah. Maybe that's Canadian pronunciation. is
0: no, – maybe oh. the tenant uh, is maybe in there somewhere. The ten oh,
1: yeah. De- deliberate yeah.
0: centenary. Uh, yeah. What could we see? Anyway, we won't this? rehash
1: all of that. Mm. I guess what we're saying is that if you hashtag a video on TikTok, Fourteenth Doctor, and it's about Shutigawa uh-huh. That might be premature. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Let, let's just call him the nth Doctor. Yeah, I like uh, it. you know, for for the first letter of his first name, uh, and yeah, oh, I like nth. that. Yeah. yeah, it's it mm-hmm. adds adds a bit more mystery. It seems very Hoovian to be the uh, nth Doctor. So yeah, that's going to be my head kind of going forward. Uh, until 2023 at least, is the Nth Doctor.
1: Yes. Nth Doctor, also my handle on Discord, by the way. <laughs> um well TikTok, there's also many comments on uh on uh, some of our videos from Frontio. So we have a TikTok comment of the week, and it is from someone with the handle his shadow underscore hmm. one. And the comment reads uh, oh, sorry. It's about the video about the TARDIS getting destroyed, by the way. Right. Which is in front right of us episode yeah. one. And then reverse hanging. twist in episode four. Um, and uh, his shadow underscore one says, I was in shock when I saw this as a kid. The TARDIS was untouchable. And for once, it wasn't. So it seems that John Nathan Turner's whole plan worked for at least yes. one person
0: <laughs> for at least his shadow one. We're not sure about his shadow two, three or four, whether they were, uh, similarly hmm. affected by this, this news, but, but yeah, that is, it's, it's a great thing, isn't it? When we, we, we look back on our childhood selves and, uh, you know, a sudden cliffhanger or a twist or a, a change of doctor or a blowing up of the TARDIS can really just set our minds on edge and, you know, uh, everything in the universe as we know, it seems to be, you know, uh, completely—you uh, know—different than it was the day before because it's all—it's all fragile now. It's all uh, blown to
1: pieces like the TARDIS. So it's yeah, great. I remember uh, I began with Davison, as you know, and this was mm. very early in my run when this happened. So I wasn't sure if this is a thing they just did. Mm. Um, but it honestly, like, it's funny how after Davison was done, obviously they reset it at the end of Frontios. Uh, Which, again, I said at the time, I thought that was, you know, they earned it. It's cool. They did it and they sort of reversed it in a believable story way. But then when they went after Davison, the the Colin Baker stuff hadn't aired yet or hadn't they they just didn't have the rights to it yet. And they went right back to Pertwee. And in the Pertwee era, they made a big deal about the TARDIS being indestructible. It's actually, uh, I think it might be the first time that it's explicit that, the uh the perjury doctor says to joe at least on one occasion very early i think it was in uh the curse of Peladon that the tardis is indestructible and i was kind of like <laughs> 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 you're, you're, you're in for a world of at a couple doctors yeah <laughs> a couple of generations there john yeah rule Not number so one the
0: doctor lies rule rule number one a the doctor lies about the tardis
1: yeah well then he actually I'm sure he knew he was lying because it wasn't until even later that I finally saw the Troughton episodes hmm. I don't know if you've seen the mind robber I've not did you ever see the mind robber I've not no, okay I so not. at some point we'll do the top 10 times the TARDIS has been destroyed <laughs> <laughs> and uh, cracks in time might be number one but the uh, yeah. the mind robber is, is another similar TARDIS destroyed and reassembled by the end Ooh. sorry spoiler alert everybody uh, uh, well, that, that but, makes so, the but, mind but, but, more interesting to me, to be honest. Yeah, so yeah. so um, perhaps we should know it's not by that point. Yeah, but we'll yeah, see. but he just doesn't remember. None of them remember yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the memories it, get uh, reset memory. with every journey. Yeah.
0: But yes, but while we're, well, we're about to, to talk in the Romans, because there there is of course uh, TARDIS, uh, the TARDIS destructibility question is raised in the Romans uh, mm. at, the, at the very beginning. Um, but yes, yeah. um, I, I believe that we, we do have a couple of questions that we need to ask. I need to ask you a question about the prize that we're going to give out for one of the first 50 reviews. That's and, right. And uh, we have established that it's a prize for, that is mineral, uh, that is, uh straddles Doctors mostly in the New Who era. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe you said that it straddled showrunners. Was that was that what we had last um, week? No, or, I did not say that. No, you did not say that. So we still have straddles doctors.
1: Straddles doctors. And, okay, and it is not bigger than a bread box. That was That's Nathan's question. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's not bigger than a bread box.
1: Um, Using conventional geometry.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, well, let, let me just uh, let me just narrow it down to a showrunner. Um, are we are we talking RTD or are we talking Moffat?
1: Well, you gotta ask the yes or no question. You should, this should almost disqualify you. Maybe we should oh, just move on God. to the next one. Oh, no, no, I'll no. let you have a do over
0: though. All please. right, all right. Is is this uh represented and this Dr. Straddling item from the Russell T. Davies era of Doctor Hip? No. <laughs> hey, okay. All right. we've just we've lopped uh, two or three years off
1: the the potential timeline for when this could be. Wow. So I feel like I've said too much. You guys <laughs> to start leaving reviews, so we can just cut to the <laughs> end on this, guys. Reviews are the best. We are a podcast. Podcasts thrive on reviews, particularly reviews in the Apple Podcasts app. Uh, if you're listening to us, which you must be, because otherwise, <laughs> what is happening? Yes. Uh, you must. You must. You should. You must. We recommend. <laughs> we uh, would love it if you go to the podcast app on your phone. Take a couple seconds leave us a review leave us an emoji uh wave uh leave whatever you want frankly and uh we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to uh put you in the mix for this prize yes, which uh, chris is slowly must, but surely uh targeted you must must leave a review um, <laughs> there you go
0: yeah you must leave a review you must, okay. if, if if you want the prize you must obey uh but yeah do do leave us an emoji review we talked about uh, leave, leaving uh emoji brain teasers of uh, doctor who story titles in your emoji review for example i'm going to throw this one out for free if you wanted to do the romans you might do an emoji of someone rowing a boat and then a man huh
1: oh huh? wow yeah that's pretty and cool <laughs> and that there a word- roman column emoji that, I guess that could, could be the master's game. card. Is coming. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you want to be careful about that. Uh, is there a Nero emoji? Maybe a fire. Mm. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll we'll get to that.
0: But yeah, um, get
1: creative, guys. Yeah. Get now like it's... a city and then built it a day somehow, like construction <laughs> in one day. I don't know.
0: Yeah, the the, the little clock going round, so it's twenty four hours. I like yeah. it. All
1: yeah. right. Anyway, cutting to the next question, which is <laughs> my question to you, the yes. only question that matters, the one that everyone's been waiting for, for eons, perhaps epochs. <laughs> Chris, have you seen Legend of the Sea Devils yet? No, I have not. And at
0: this point, I'm just going to wait for the randomizer to bring it up.
1: Oh, wow. Wow.
0: Danny, right. That is like my that. pledge to you. I'm not only not seeing the Legend of the Sea Devils. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it until the randomizer hits the number three hundred.
1: Wow, that could be a while. You might you <laughs> might have to start watching the show again uh, when the special comes, and you'll you just you won't have any idea. They might make a reference to pirates or uh
0: Pirates. is that true <laughs> is that
1: true or is it self-contained uh, i think i think it's i think i think you're fine <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what i still there's still you know uh previous to flux season uh, uh stories i haven't seen so this is not the only new who mm-hmm. i'm
1: falling behind on oh we uh, know um <laughs> and then i think. It could be one of the one the one we're right about to talk about. I'm not sure, but you can talk about that in a minute because we should stop avoiding talking about it Mm. and start talking about it. It is here. We're here, guys, at the Romans, uh, and it's time for TLDW. Too long, Doctor Who. Too long, didn't watch. And it is uh, this is when one of us, and this week it is you, Chris, will (laughs) summarize the episode, the entire story. In a very short period of time, we give 30 seconds for every 25-minute classic series episode. There Mm -hmm. are four in the Romans, which means you get a full two minutes to summarize this story uh, from season Mm. two. Yeah. Um,
0: Are you ready? I I think so, yeah. I I don't want to sound overconfident, but I think it's a pretty simple story. Um, And uh, having said that, watch me get sucked
1: down a rabbit hole. Um, there are plenty. There are <laughs> plenty to go down here. You can. Roman rabbit holes. But I think you're right if you break down. Yeah, if you if you just go make a beeline for Rome, I think you're fine, <laughs> just like just like the doctor. All roads will there. All right. I'm ready. I will give you a countdown. And here we go. The official pull to open summary of the Romans begins in three, two, one.
0: Go. So the Doctor, Ian, Barbara, and new companion Vicky have uh, landed on a hillside, but the TARDIS is too small for the hillside, so the TARDIS tumbles over. Uh, cut to a month later, and it turns out they were they they're in ancient Rome. Uh, they're, they're somewhere on the peninsula in, in a villa uh, belonging to a uh, Gaulish commander, and he's away, so they've just sort of moved in. Uh, but the doctor is uh, kind of uh, antsy, and he wants to go get to Rome. Uh, Vicky goes with him. Meanwhile, Ian and Barbara, laying around getting drunk and then get captured by slavers, Ian gets taken off Very to famous. a rowing uh, ship where you know he, he is uh, commanded along with the other slaves to to row down the coast but then there's a shipwreck and he and uh his his friend uh, get free and uh they they head off to rome but they get arrested and they get thrown into uh into prison and they're going to be gladiators for the emperor nero in the arena meanwhile uh barbara has been taken as a slave and bought by uh, an agent of the emperor nero uh because uh, he, he thought Barbara was kind to the southern slave, and then uh, Barbara gets uh, set upon by the Emperor Nero. She gets basically harassed, and uh, so the the Empress decides to uh, poison her, but that doesn't succeed. Vicky's in in uh, Nero's. Uh, a whole palace by this time. She tries to poison Nero instead. That doesn't work. The doctor has been mistaken for a liar player, and uh, but uses this to kind of ingratiate himself with Nero and flatters him. Um, and uh, but then it, it doesn't. He he plays. He, he does an emperor's new clothes trick. Pretends to play the liar. Uh, Nero is incensed. He he wants to throw the doctor into the arena. The doctor's too smart for him, and he senses that Nero wants to burn down Rome. So he starts maybe accidentally burning the map of Rome. Uh, and then uh, Nero gets the idea to burn the city so he can pay for his new reconstruction of Rome and the Doctor escapes and realizes that yes, he did change history and uh, they get back to Ian and Barbara everyone's back in the and villa and then they go time. back to
1: Dottis Nice! Yes! Good job! Yes. Wow! Yeah, I I'm impressed. So. You've got a lot of details in there
0: Thank you. you, I, you uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's three storylines, right? And they all converge yeah. like Roman roads. And uh, like, I, I realized got, it was... got the
1: Emperor's New Clothes thing in there? Yeah. That was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, the I think he missed says... the stock footage of the lions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Worst, worst cliffhanger ever when Ian and uh, his pal Delos, is it? Uh, uh, look out of the window and they're like, Oh, what... What are we supposed to fight?
1: Who's going to eat us? Oh no, it's it's some lions. Cliffhanger. Yeah, I don't know. I could probably think of maybe something a little. I mean, the, the footage was bad. I, I got the idea that there's like a uh uh there's peril. This is peril. Uh, even though that, that you never get the payoff, right? It's the Chekhov's gun, the Chekhov's cat that <laughs> is never let out of its cage. You just, just oh no, there's no lions after that. Nope. <laughs>
0: I, I do admire the Romans for its ambition. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the ambitious things is the sense that you are going to actually see, you know, some some fights in the Colosseum. Uh, except when when Ian uh, and Delos are uh, commanded to fight for Nero in front of Nero and Barbara, it's uh, basically just in a room with some straw. He's just like, yeah. no, no, I fancy I fancy a bit of a fight. Let's just you know get down to it. I'll impress this slave girl Barbara uh,
1: by what? by showing this fight. Yeah. It's funny that they call it the arena. They never say the Coliseum because it's like they couldn't do it. You know, it was like, yep. well, we, we, could, we could do a room that has a thing here. And honestly, if it was the Coliseum, you it would be less believable that the Ian, not that it's believable in the first place, that Ian and Delos are able to fight off the guards and essentially escape uh but in the coliseum it'd be like how do we how would that even be possible you know like <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about you'd have to like scale the walls or something but at least here they're like in some you know cheap uh community theater room somewhere near the palace and so it's like oh yeah of course they just walk out the door
0: yeah <laughs> but it's totally believable i think and, and doesn't require much dialogue to be like you know nero wants to impress barbara so he's like hey you know come come into my ante room baby where you know, uh, where we're going to have a private right. fight just for you and me. You know, I, I can totally buy that. So it doesn't feel as cheap as it, as it actually is. There's the, some great use of sets and uh, marketplace and that same road, that yeah. one Roman road that is duplicated for everything. Um, you know, sometimes it's got a statue
1: in it, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but it's it's yeah. charming. I gotta say, for sets, they look great, and I thought yeah. uh, you're you're dead on. Like, especially the Roman market, it was actually like it's the first time you see it when Vicky and Barbara go, and they have kind of a cute scene. I mean, a lot of the scenes are cute. The thing mm. is, it's it's a very what I really like about the Romans is it's not boring. You know, like yeah. it's it's super fun, and even when it's not fun, maybe even over the top, it's still fun. You know, like the the bit where probably one of the more serious scenes is like Barbara and Ian. Have just been captured and barbara is like jack jackie hill does a pretty good job here throughout oh yeah uh and that but she gets a little serious she's like do you have any idea like what we're in for here as slaves like this is not going to end well yet um and this is the uh, thing about the historical
0: isn't it i mean and and it's sort of the reason why the historical the pure historical didn't really survive in doctor who is because There there are always moments where it feels like you're watching a special historical special for schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, those in the UK are probably familiar with Horrible Histories, which is a very sort of, uh, you know, campy kind of comedy uh, way to get kids interested in history, right? There's definitely Mm -hmm. the element of that, even as it plays fast and loose with the history about Nero, we'll we'll definitely get to that. I'm sure you probably guessed that I have some history to impart (laughs) here. As I we'll have
1: foreshadowing. Done in- <laughs> the we'll get to Chris's history corner in just a minute, folks.
0: Yeah, yeah the crazy. Little bit more on the set. Set. But it does <laughs> no, but it does have that feel of like there there are moments where you're like, oh, they they've done this to sort of show that you know, this is what it was like in Roman times. And Romans owed slaves, and it was a slave-driven economy. And mm-hmm. you know, and uh, many were sent to galleys and became galley slaves. And many were so uh, London
1: well, was called to-
0: Londinium. Yes, <laughs> did you know? <laughs> so it, it does manage to skirt most of that sort of feeling of being there to teach you something, right? right. And instead, kind of devolves by the third or fourth episode into into a farce, basically. Yeah. It's, oh, like
1: just directly. Yeah. Like that don't even like try to hide it or, or play it <laughs> in some other way. Like they just like, no, we're just going full on comedy, which I got it. Like I really admire that the, the idea here to sort of do something different that really yeah. kind of felt different from like the normal stuff they did just in terms of tone. Yes. Um, and it's a thing that I don't think they've, Done a lot since. I mean, certainly the new series is hard to compare because there's obviously a lot of comedy in the new series. So, but in the old series, you know, you didn't really get these sort of episodes played directly for laughs mm-hmm. um, all that often. I mean, in some of the Baker, Tom Baker ones are certainly lighter and just because of his personality. But um, this whole thing, like, it's almost uh, like you could definitely feel the cast having fun, like, especially yeah. in that episode one where Ian and Barbara. Are essentially like, I found this like when they're being kind of lazy nobles in Mm -hmm. this, I guess, how a nobleman's house that they're almost living out why Rome fell. (laughs) (laughs) They're being
0: as decadent as they possibly can be. Decadent,
1: complacent, you know, lazy, self indulgent. And you're just almost disgusted with them as much as you're. Being think they're funny and they're they're actually being really funny with each other, um, and then of course they're they're just completely um, taken advantage of by these you know slave merchants and just grabbed uh, Right, but might have escaped it
0: had Barbara not accidentally uh, smashed a pot over Ian's head, which becomes <laughs> a subplot when we come back at the end. The end, um, but yeah, it really is you know, and people have noticed this uh, going back to the Romans that it's it's surprisingly racy uh, for what you get away with in kids TV in 1965. And I I think the unanimous opinion, and and, and I am am of this opinion, uh, Pete, I I look forward to your your opinion on the matter, but the unanimous opinion is that Ian and Barbara totally had sex off off screen, uh, (laughs) at least twice in this story. You know, they are lounging around, (laughs) they are drinking wine, they are thinking that it is hilarious to send each other to the fridge quote unquote before one of them turns around and goes oh you you trying to fool me into thinking that there are
1: fridges in ancient Rome um well also like he seems especially like seems like he's kind of entitled to manhandle her a bit at the end you know yes the way they're played it's almost a little icky um it's it's a little rough housing it's a little i'm gonna drown you in the pool yeah, he's about to just dunk her in or get her wet or something. But it's very much mm-hmm. like the kind of thing you do when you're very familiar. Like I'm not, you know, endorsing, of course, anyone <laughs> I can handle anybody. Right. Just full, you know, full disclosure there. But it's, it is like, you know, if you're if you're just horsing around a bit, yeah. And you know, it, it, it had that feel. It and does. Again, it's not it's old classic Doctor Who. Of course, they're going right up to the line. Nothing's ever referenced. Well, I feel like the ultimate um, how could metaphor it, how could not be right. Yeah. Right. That drunk
0: on that good wine, just laying around with the doctor and Vicki. Go- like Notice when the doctor and Vicky go, they put up a fight, but they don't put up too much of a fight. Right. It's like No, it's okay. We're, we're good here. Just chill. You guys go have fun. Uh, we got to um, yeah. Lays around and drink wine. Um, but I, I feel like the ultimate metaphor here is where Barbara buys a comb at the market and she takes, Ian's very nineteen sixty five hair very mm. london nineteen sixty five hair and and sort of combs it into more of a roman style like pushing yeah. the hair forward and that's it, that feels a like a yeah that feels like a metaphor to me of like oh they the rules don't count anymore they're unmarried school teachers on vacation anything could happen um, <laughs> and then of course Barbara gets pursued by the emperor Nero and uh right. you know all credits to uh the the star casting. Uh, Derek Francis. Was, yes, Derek Francis, right. who was a well-known actor at the time. I believe the first well-known actor to ask to appear in Doctor Who. So kind of yeah, and I think he was Jackie Hill
1: or yeah. uh, or Verity Lambert, I'm not sure. But he knew someone and yeah. they, they were looking for a way to get him in. And it, this this came up. And he obviously plays it for laughs. He plays it for a farce. Mm. But
0: the, the way he pursues Barbara is like, you know, it's clear that he, what he has on his mind. And there's a point where Barbara just like downs a whole glass of wine when Nero is pursuing her, like either just to get drunk or to distract him or something. But it could just be, I can't even deal with this. I'm, I'm going to, you know, damn this whole thing. But like, yeah know, brings up sort of uncomfortable questions now, looking at now. It is good that, that Derek Francis plays it for, for laughs because that, those could be really creepy scenes. Um, right. but then possibly the most interesting thing from a modern perspective is that the way that you know, uh, Nero's wife, what was her name? Poppea, a real, mm-hmm. real historical character, very fascinating one, um, decides that the, the answer is, oh, well, you know, my, my husband's chasing around after this new slave better kill the slave. Right. There's, there is, there's your patriarchy in action, mm. ladies and gentlemen. That's, you know, it's quite clear what's, what's going on there, but it's very interesting to see that that, that is part of the mix there. And of course we have, uh, the, the poison maker, Lacusta uh, again, based on a real right. historical figure. Um,
1: well, and also real historical things. I gotta say, like, I watched this with my son, Jack, who is super in history. Yeah. Now, and he was fast. He was obviously highly critical in some ways, like, "Oh, I don't think that was how Nero acted," or, mm. um, you know, he was very like, "This wasn't accurate," uh, mm-hmm. etc. But he really liked that the poisoner, like he was like, "Oh yeah, mm. you know that that was totally normal. Like that's just yep. what you had. You had tasters and poisoners, and it was just part of the culture." Um, which is like. Isn't that crazy? Yes,
0: <laughs> it is by the way i I could recommend a, a great book called the Royal Art of Poison, uh which is about mm. kind of the history of poisonings, but also the history of things that uh the upper class in various time periods killed themselves with, thinking it was a good thing to like you know drink lead or uh you know smear horse manure all over their faces or like you know just the weird things that people did in every era that were more likely to poison them than the actual poisonings.
1: Yeah, so. and I feel like, you know, I don't know what the analogy would be, but it would, it's almost like pick your method of death and have a person who's a specialist in it. Like, uh, here's my disemboweler. Yep. <laughs> here's, here's my, uh, you know, beheader, which I guess, you know, you've come to think of it, history has a few of these things. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, about, and you always have some people just really specialized and executed people for whatever, whatever. And I guess if you argue with, you know, poisons, poisons kind of clean yeah nero nero is definitely he's definitely playful laughs and there's that one moment where he yeah. gives
0: the poison drink to his taster who's kind of been annoying him in previous scenes and the taster dies right uh yeah and it really just keels over in a very comedic fashion uh which people <laughs> well it's kind of like one of those
1: moments yeah
0: where you just did they just do that <laughs> Yeah. yes they <laughs> like, did that they did, did i just, mean like it would not You're, look out of place in in a in a farce or a sitcom or like even on a, I mean, a sitcom. If you did that in a sitcom today, people would write in going, "No, didn't believe it." You know the way he just yeah. kills over. It's just well, you uh, just kind
1: of like contrasted with like whatever you know, Matt Smith being indignant about some innocent being killed and, and pick your episode or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's like oh no, they just uh, casually get the thing. It's I've like, seen this Tucker described.
0: Yeah, I've seen this described as the first comedy death in Doctor Who, uh, and it definitely definitely has that feel to it.
1: Um, well, there but, was there was definitely something going on in this season too. I think yeah. um, there there was another episode this season called you know the Chase that came a few episodes later. Yeah, and that's the that's a Dalek episode, and it's the the only probably it's the first and only time the Daleks themselves are actually played for laughs. And we'll we'll get yeah. to that one when we get to it. But I do feel like this is season two of Doctor Who and mm-hmm. they're getting like okay let's let's push the envelope a bit yeah. like what can we do what is this show we're still kind of figuring it out we had one successful season we kind of know what works uh we're gonna lean for a little further into sci-fi but we're also gonna be like yeah let's see if if we can get away with being this kind of show or that kind of show and I think in the Romans they pulled it off um in in others uh I don't know we'll get there when we get there but mm. it, yeah well uh, this
0: this was a deliberate attempt to see if they could do comedy. It was uh, Dennis Spooner was was not just the writer, but he was the new uh, script editor, right? And he was taking over from uh, the season one script editor who had left with the rescue, and they were kind of doing them back to back as as two introductions, two twin introductions to Vicky's character. Um, because we we should definitely give a shout out to Maureen O'Brien here as Vicky, who does sure. excellent work in this kind of just, just throwing in the comedy lines and is, is a perfect foil for Bill Hartnell. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially in moments where she's like, oh, and by the way, I just poisoned Emperor Nero. and yeah. <laughs> What? 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 What, child? Um, yeah, you can see, almost see Tenet there.
1: What? What? what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they, they rush to address the situation. But most interesting of all here is the Doctor, and I think this is where there's going to be the most mm. fruitful conversation is, what on earth is the doctor playing at this is not the doctor we know because he kind of gleefully charges into rome appears to give nero the idea for burning down the city Mm. and doesn't realize it until afterwards or claims not to realize it uh lies through his teeth uh by impersonating someone it's interesting that we've come here so quickly after power of the daleks where he impersonates a an earth inspector on the planet vulcan right? That's his first act as, as Patrick Troughton. Uh, but here we are reminded that, that Bill Hartnell was doing that all over the place. He, he just, he just happened to look a lot like the liar player who was killed because he was part of a conspiracy to kill Nero. And he uses that as his ticket to go in and see Nero. And, um, one thing that we see throughout the episode is that the doctor clearly knows more than he's saying, right? He, we, we think he's just this doddering old fool, and this is very Hartnell esque, mm-hmm. but he's actually got this plan all along, right? He he uh, he has the whole Emperor's New Clothes idea for how he's going to get out of being commanded to play this liar that he can't play a note of. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not only that, but says he gave the Emperor's New Clothes idea to Hans Christian Hansen, uh, <laughs> which is just wonderful. It, it feels very modern, Doctor, for him to say that, right? Uh, and and to try to pull this off, but but more than that, then you have to ask the question of like, did is the doctor responsible for the great fire of Rome? <laughs> and uh, because he did, and it does seem to turn on the question of like, he's standing there with his glasses over the map of Rome. The sun catches the glasses; it set the map sets the map on fire. Was he doing that deliberately or not? Pete, what
1: do you think? I think no, just because it's not played that way. I mean, you could sort of reverse it. Uh, read a little more into it and think about the, his behavior more broadly. And maybe, maybe if you squint, he, that he's doing it deliberately. Um, I, I feel like the doctor here, and I think it's not so much the doctor lies, but the doctor evolves, the character Mm -hmm. changes. And I think the first doctor, as sure as he seems sometimes, to be about uh, about time travel and history i think um in hindsight he's just guessing and he's just (laughs) doing his best to look authoritative about things and i think here early in his journey at least as far as he knows he's kind of like pushing his own limits onto what you know he can affect and what the laws of time you know, how, I guess he would know them, but like how they apply to him with regard to earth history. And so he's kind of goofing around. He's kind of like consciously like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, get into this thing and, and almost see it a bit as almost like a video game. Okay. I'm going to put myself into this situation and see how I can get out without getting anyone killed or wrecking anything. And he doesn't quite succeed on, on either of those things. Right. And he, I think if he were challenged on it later, and I think there's a little bit of dialogue about this in Tenants' uh, Adventure, the Pirates of, of Pompeii. Yes, where he's he's a little like, eh, "Don't I might have been here, but I don't talk about it because he's not particularly proud of what how this turns yeah. out. It might take him a while to reflect on it uh, in terms of his own personal timeline, but I think ultimately, so that whole thing with the Romans probably probably a bad <laughs> idea you know like
0: i was not do that sort of thing. i was young i was foolish yes yeah. <laughs> you know i just told myself in the aztecs that uh, i couldn't change history one line and then oops turns out i could or could or could he just bring well, about what was always supposed to happen
1: exactly it's that predestined paradox thing mm. and so so but then, when does the idea like if he deliberately does it? When does the idea come? This is also why, like, I don't like the grandfather's paradox, so I'm going with he didn't plan it. Um, <laughs> it's all just an accident. But if it is, it's like there well, was never, there was never an original idea to burn down Rome,
0: right? And uh, that that it sets off all sorts of interesting questions, and it does get us to the bootstrap par- paradox years bootstrap, early. Right. The Bootstrap par- you know, of course, famously, the Bootstrap Paradox, Google it. Google <laughs> it. Uh, where, you know, we, wherein we learn at the beginning of uh, Under the Lake, I think it was, that um, the Doctor may have been Beethoven, may have for- been forced to be Beethoven because Beethoven didn't actually exist, right? That may be what's going on here because we do notice at the start of the episode the Doctor, uh, you know, they, they gradually realize they're in 64 AD, right? That's presumably what they've been figuring out over the last month uh, Hmm. that they've, that they've been there. And uh, and the doctor does seem to rather hurriedly uh, calculate that he needs to go off to Rome and he needs to see Nero any way he can. Um, Hmm. And uh, maybe, maybe he has learned, maybe this is a secret time Lord mission from, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, let us not forget now in, in who chronology, William Hartnell is the doctor closest to the timeless child doctor, to the many different previous iterations of the doctor, right? That the, the uh, oh god, what, what are they calling the the new version of the the celestial intervention agency now? In in flux, oh the and division the division, yes. So maybe maybe there's some sort of lingering division mission in his brain to like oh you know great fire yeah. of Rome paradox. If I ever land in 64 AD, I know what to do.
1: You know the pieces fit. I Hmm. gotta say, you're convincing me that maybe (laughs) he would... like, Because, like, I mean, they must know it's 64 AD. Because, I mean, if they're there a month, like, just ask someone. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. They know they're in the reign of Season Arrow and all of that. So suddenly he has an anchor in to go. He doesn't bring Ian and Barbara, because it could be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he knows there needs to be some self-fulfilling thing. So if he's deliberately done it, then... is, is when Nero's initial reaction, when he's like, I'm going to have you killed for burning my plans, wouldn't you think you'd be a little more like, but wait a minute, isn't this giving you an idea? Like he just kind of stands there and he, he yeah. seems really plonoxed like he's not sure how to get out of it. But but the doctor is
0: so just nuts at this stage. Like he, he, it, it is, I think one of Hartnell's best moments that I've ever seen where he basically tells the emperor that he knows that the plan is for him the, the liar player uh to be fed to the lions and he, he goes on this long series of puns about how <laughs> you know let's let's chew this over and i understand it's a ravenous audience or whatever you know like he just has pun after bun make make roaring, him, success. roaring success i mean terrible terrible dad jokes doctor god no wonder susan left um <laughs> And, uh yeah, but it does also establish that the doctor lies uh or liars. The doctor is a liar uh. with a liar in this episode. And they make that pun, right? It's you know, this may be the original case of the, the doctor lying, but in a in a kind of a much more master like way. And that's why it's interesting yeah. that we come here from straight from a master episode, The Clause of Access. You know, yeah. to see the doctor being a bit more like that. In his own right.
1: He he is arguably the time meddler here. Well, yeah. If I can grab another time Lord from uh, this era. And maybe this is it. Maybe it's like it didn't take him. Like I was talking about him sort of learning his lesson by doing this and not really thinking it was a good idea. And maybe it takes the time meddler who comes in a bit later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget if it's late this season, or early next, but I think it is this season. He, he kind of, um, sees that mirror a little bit. Maybe it hits a little oh. too close to home for him, and he's like, "Whoa, oh, wow, this guy's really perverting things." And yeah. maybe I should—it's my more my role to stop that kind of thing than encourage it. So yeah, again, the show's figuring itself out. The Doctor's figuring himself out. I like this pattern. Um,
0: yeah, so it does that. That has been suggested by by fans who are sort of writing about season two as a whole. That it is this arc of the Doctor going from being a time meddler himself to seeing the result of that from the outside and going, whoa, wait a minute, better not do that again. But that it's so explicit that the doctor's a bit nutty here that you have that scene (laughs) where the doctor laughing about having set fire to Rome fades into the laughter of Nero himself Mm. as as the the mad arsonist, right? Suggesting that they are one and the same. Who is the crazy one? Yeah, exactly. Which in the middle of a farce, you know, uh, which according to, you know, all concerned probably was fun, but probably went a bit too far into comedy, right? And yet underneath it, there is this dark question of who, what kind of person is the doctor? Hmm. And hmm. is he, is he Nero like himself?
1: Um, I'll tell so. you what he's, he's a, a little bit like is he's Bruce Willis like, cause he really takes down <laughs> that assassin. It's like, this is the yeah. beginning of episode two. He's like shown to be like this, master combatant i kind of forgot about this scene honestly yes and it's making me rethink the whole spoon versus sword thing in robot (laughs) of sherwood i have to confess where it's well you know like he's he's been a pretty good combatant since his early days (laughs) that's right we don't think
0: of hartnell's doctor as being an action doctor but he he did have his moments and this is one of them where he's just totally outwitting this assassin um
1: yeah doing so with glee and then throws him out the window and he's just totally unconcerned about it you yeah. know that's the best thing about it it's not just that he takes him out uh with some great doctor Who stage fighting <laughs> it's that <laughs> he he's just like all right whatever that was that was that was nothing and, and vicky's all concerned he's like eh, whatevs you know like some guy yeah. just tried to take me out and it's it just kind of happens and let's have a good yeah. laugh about it guess i'll Um, figure
0: it out i mean barbara does have that grain line of like you know when when vicky's antsy to go somewhere and do something because of course she's seen nothing and been nowhere have been stuck on that ship in the rescue for years by herself mm -hmm. She's understandably keen for adventure and barbara's like "Eh, you don't need to worry about it adventure comes to us and and the doctor (laughs) has kind of that lackadaisical attitude throughout his adventure as well right it's kind of like oh just I'm just going to wing it. We'll do it live. It's all improv. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. You know, chuckling at his own cleverness throughout. And something else we don't often see in doctor who is the doctor using the way he uses flattery here towards oh, yeah. Nero is very interesting. We, we rarely see the doctor kind of disarm an enemy uh, mm. in, in that style. And I think we could stand to see it some more. I think that, you know, it, it is, an overlooked area of evil, right? Is that evil falls very easy prey to flattery.
1: Um, Yeah. I would love to see that more because too often we get the scene where the doctor gets indignant and superior Mm -hmm. and like basically gets on a moral high horse with whoever the dictator is, which automatically puts them at odds. And usually there's a lot of running through corridors that ensue immediately after. Whereas here, It's he 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 recognizes who Nero is. I mean, he probably, you know, he already knows from history, but it's like, oh, okay. so I can easily manipulate him with, with some very simple flattery and indulging this guy's ego.
0: Right. And um, we kind of we kind of remember the big set piece scene where the doctor does the Emperor's New Clothes thing with not actually playing the lyre, right? But we forget that there is that quickie scene where he first meets Nero and Nero's like, Hey, give us a tune, and the doctor's like, But I am in the presence of a superior musician. Here, sir, you take the lyre. You know, and you and Nero's like, oh, I don't know, I'm just like playing a chord or something. And the doctor's like, Holy shit, that's the best tune ever. Let me see if I can imitate it. That's so damn good. I mean, this this is got to say Trumpian levels of of uh, you know obsequiousness and flattery here, right? You know, mm-hmm. and it's not not for the first time did I think that uh, Nero uh, had a uh, good uh, representation or a resemblance to the to the former president. Um,
1: and uh you know what? <laughs> so it's, it's so funny obvious. Those lyre chords are some of the yeah. only music in this episode. Yeah because <laughs> it's there I got to say you know there there this era isn't known for like consistent scores but this one was particularly silent in places yeah. like even places where like the uh, and delos are fighting like you just you could hear the thumps on the stage and uh, you're kind of like okay um is like you kind of want something to start usually something starts eventually but um I was really struck mm-hmm. by just how quiet this one was. It just really felt more like a play than usual.
0: Yeah. It did remind me of, of we, we said that about the sensorites, right. That just sort of felt like they ran out of music at some point with here. They, mm-hmm. they didn't even start the music. It's just, a, it's yeah. a SOT as they say sound on tape is, you know, you get, you get the drums on, on board the, the barge uh, where Ian is, is held as a slave and uh, you know, but yeah, it's just all, it's all natural sounds um mm-hmm. and, and not even they didn't even have to play a pay a liar player uh, to play the liar for the for the doctor's you know <laughs> quiet liar scene uh so you know great job bbc
1: saving some money there um uh-huh. but yeah well, apparently yeah. the budget was uh about like 450 bucks for sets and props per episode or like for <laughs> the pounds i found that uh, found this out in sort of the uh the making of uh documentary on the DVD. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they 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 made it count. Like you say, like they that one road. I mean it does a lot of work. And they got they I think they paid like they must have paid like two pounds an extra because there were actually quite a <laughs> few extras in this episode of like the shopkeepers and uh you know random guards at the palace who kept yeah. sounding off in almost yeah. like uh it's like almost like a Monty Python sketch or something uh <laughs> the, you know bi- this does have very like yes
0: uh yeah it definitely that there was there was a farcical movie called carry on cleo that was uh filming around about the same time it suggested that dennis spoon the writer might have uh known the the script writers of that or gone to see it being filmed and, and gotten some ideas from that but that would certainly explain the what we read now as a kind of a python-esque
1: farce element to it um but yeah did you it, like the farce stuff like just the <laughs> running around the palace and you know the, the doctor constantly missing barbara yes you know, i think it happens about three or four times which was kind of predictable yeah, um, and the
0: first one is kind of a lesson in the doctor should have just hung around a few more seconds to explain what slave auctions are, rather than kind of trying to protect Vicky from the existence of slave auctions, which mm-hmm. sort of seems like what he's trying to do. And if, if he had just hung out for a second and been like, no, let's not, uh, let's not ignore this critical historical moment. Let's see, let's look slavery square in the uh-huh. face. If he'd only done that, he would have seen Barbara. Um, hmm. But by the way, Barbara is sold alongside um, two other women, and uh, she is clearly the supposed to be the star attraction, right? She's the main event. Right. Why did the auctioneer not have her go last?
1: Right? Oh, build, maybe the idea of up saving the uh, best for last was exactly. not well established.
0: It, it, it hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> well, that's in the Bible, A of sales you know. and marketing techniques. Yeah, Like when I'm they went the best uh, for last.
1: Yeah, when Jesus turns water into wine, there's a whole thing where uh they do it at, at whatever – I forget where – I should study the Bible more. But uh, <laughs> he he does it when they run out of wine. And then, of course, because it's G, he's Jesus, it's the best yep. wine ever. And they're like, why did you save the best for last? Why didn't you serve this right uh, up? Which is like, hmm, you know what? Saving the best yeah. for last. That's a good idea. It does- <laughs> Does remind
0: me of that uh, one of my favorite New Yorker cartoons. Is just a, a uh, Roman at an orgy, laying on a couch, beckoning one of his servants over, and and uh, you know, in the midst of this mass, just kind of sea of writhing bodies, and he says to the servant, "You may now switch to the cheap wine." <laughs> um, but nice. It's a very New Yorker, very New Yorker kind of thing. But this might be a good, uh, and certainly talking about the Bible might be a good segue into talking about the real Nero.
1: Mm. Um, which uh, I have s- Oops, done some. It is time for Chris's historical corner, please. <laughs> I've done some research,
0: go. I've done some research, and this is you know, the historians lament. I have to begin with this it's not my period. Uh, I didn't actually study this uh, at, at Oxford, <laughs> I studied the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, but but Nero's history is, is very interesting, so he, um he's probably been hard done by history because Mm -hmm. he had a lot of contemporaneous historians who hated his guts for a variety of reasons. Nero seems to have been very unpopular with the aristocracy. He Mm. scandalized them by being uh, an actor and, uh, you know, and and a musician and all of these other things that were just for the lower born people to do. Right. He was, he was actually pretty young, right? Yeah. He was very young. yeah, He was the son of uh, Claudius, the Emperor Claudius. Uh, no, the Doctor Who Connection played by Derek Jacobi in mm. I, Claudius in the 70s. Uh, famously also with John Hurt uh, in in the same serial who plays uh, Caligula. Fantastic, fantastic nice. series if you've never seen it. Um, but Nero is in that. Nero was uh, uh, Claudius' second wife's son, I believe uh, second or third. And, uh, you know, was, was sort of pushed, mm-hmm. basically pushed into the role by his, by his mother, seems to have had a pretty good, even though he ascended to the, being the emperor at like 16 and was clearly sort of a, a puppet for his mother, seems to have done some good stuff. Like he, he tried to uh, restore the right of trial. He, he gave power back to the Senate, you know, after previous emperors had taken it away. He was very pro Senate, very pro democracy, very pro the people um seems to have taken a bit of a left turn when he killed his mother so Uh, you know there's (laughs) there's one moral i want you to take from this the story of Nero. (laughs) do not kill your mother uh we don't know why he did it it's possible that she was plotting against him um but after that he seems to have gone a bit nuts and uh you know his uh his second wife uh who is featured here in the show Paper. Mm-hmm. uh she she was sort of a kind of a schemer as well and she was married to one of his friends um and he probably so, so he did he did get very trumpian he, he did appear to be oh, uh, yeah. a victim of, of flattery and like you know overly expensive uh projects uh, you know, uh, architectural projects that really were very gaudy and nasty and
1: right. cost way too much money. Yeah, a high, opinion of, himself.
0: Yeah, a high oh. opinion of himself. He competed. This is my favorite Nero fact. He competed in the Olympics one year himself. Oh. He, okay. he, he as bribed emperor. as emperor. He bribed <laughs> the the people who were putting on the Olympics to hold it for one year so that he could participate. Which what so he got in shape.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't mean,
0: just—I I guess it wasn't didn't fit on his schedule. So he was like, "Hey, uh, no. IOC, you know, come here. How do, how do you like these greenbacks? They—they they go off. Change the date, the official date of the Olympics for him. He competes in almost literally every event. Insists that like poetry and music become Olympic events. He competes <laughs> in those as well.
1: Wow, When's, speaking of packing the court, you know, like right? man
0: mysteriously wins literally every event that he's in, <laughs> including the chariot race in which he fell off the chariot. Wow. Because the, the medals committee uh, 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 basically decided that he would have won. That's
1: like those Russian judges in figure skating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It, uh. is. it is the ultimate playing golf with the boss, and he doesn't seem to have mm. realized that everyone was just sort of letting him win every race. Gotcha. Uh, it's just well, crazy. Maybe he so, didn't
1: let himself realize. Wow, that, <laughs> your narcissism just takes yes. a skyrocket after you kill your mother. Essentially, is kind of indeed, indeed.
0: But the Great so, Fire was probably not his fault. Okay, um, historians sort of tend to agree that it was just that any other way it could have been set off, like those, you know, the Colosseum was a tinderbox. Like it just there were mm. a lot of chemicals that they were using. In, but in didn't Rome, it start the near the family. palace or something, pretty close to the palace? Yeah, something like that. But he's also uh, supposedly not near the scene at the time. Now you could say that he was, you know, he was uh, deliberately removing himself from suspicion. He certainly doesn't do what we see in the Romans, where like he gathers all the arsonists together. He's like, you know, on the instructions of the emperor, burn the place down because we're going to build a new city. Um, You know it's it's hidden and and he he seems to have tried to allay suspicion by killing christians and Mm. basically kind of desperate because he even at the time people were like hey was this nero did you do it he's like no it was the christians let's kill a few it's possible (laughs) it's possible that he killed saint peter and saint paul oh wow at that point uh but we don't know like the historical records
1: just aren't good enough
0: Well, that's the whole
1: thing with, with Tavius at the end, right? Where he's holding the, where he's holding the cross. And yeah. yeah, So I guess, you know, I mean, I, I just sort of broadly wrote into that, the persecution of Christians in in Roman times, as opposed to Nero personally
0: uh,
1: Mm. wanting to, um, you know, take it out, take it out as personal issues on them. But
0: Um, He did need a scapegoat. Anyway, he seems to have successfully mm -hmm. got away with that, but. It was the rebuilding of Rome that did him in because it costs so damn much Hmm. that he had to raise taxes on the provinces. One of the uh, provincial leaders says, screw this, I'm having a rebellion. Uh, Another provincial leader joins in. They basically, it's a really weird situation where Nero has to flee the city because his entire guard has turned against him. He runs into the street, is like, hey, someone kill me. (laughs) <laughs> he can't even get someone to kill him so he tries to wow. escape and then no one wants gets to be known suicide? as the person
1: who killed Nero yeah Man, apparently a lot that's of it. today, I think.
0: yeah so he's like he you know he... I can't find any allies I can't find any enemies what am I even going to do like, if only they had TikTok at the around. time it's
1: like, kill me no hold on let me do a TikTok of it alright here we go <laughs> me that's for, dude.
0: It pops up on every Romans uh, for you page, um, but also because he's, he still seemed to command a lot of popularity among the people. And the most interesting thing about Nero is really what happens after he dies, it's kind of the end of the kind of stable period of Roman emperors, you know, from, from Augustus right. onwards, and uh, things get go south really quickly. There's a year of four emperors, there's you know, mutinies all over the place. And you start to see people pretending to be Nero popping up all Uh over the Roman empire, not just immediately after his death, but for literally hundreds of years later. So there's this ongoing myth that Nero is still alive. He's going to return. And, uh, you know, and you could arguably say like that, this is the, the, you could sort of date the fall of the Roman empire back to this, back to the instability that was created uh by nero's death and by the legend among the people that nero will one day come back i mean they literally had you know people they had lookalikes holding liars you know at the heads of columns of troops it was nuts they they really loved to pretend that you know their their leader was nero so what the doctor could be doing here uh Hmm. for reasons still unknown is bringing down down, bringing down the entire roman empire by
1: by causing this great <laughs> fire. I mean, wow. my God, doctor,
0: what, what was the division having you do?
1: Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like the whole thing where Nero might come back and the rumor that he's not really dead. That's, that's mm. so, it's such a doctor who villain thing, right. you know, could be the right. master.
0: It kind of, sort of yeah, it could be a who villain thing. It sort of no. se- also seems like the thing, a kind of thing that the doctor would, would spread himself or herself,
1: mm. you know,
0: that, that rumor of like, Hey, did you, it's it's sort of the opposite of, you know, doesn't she look tired? Uh, it's, right. hey, did you, did you hear Nero still around? And we do know having so recently been to uh, eases of light that the doctor was once a vessel virgin second class. <laughs> so that, that may have somehow been mixed up in
1: his scheme here. So yeah, there's there's plenty yeah. for the
0: head cannon to play with.
1: I wonder if it was before or after those. I think it's after those. If it's in fact not part of rule rule number one, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, Nero, lots of dimension there. All right, Um, so relative dimension, a lot of relative dimension.
0: So definitely believable that there would be a conspiracy against him, right? Mm. That uh, the the liar player that just happens to look like the doctor might have been involved in. That said, Maximus Petulian, which is his name. He's played mm-hmm. by a, game called Bart, uh, a guy called Bart Allison, uh, who is like the oldest, most doddering sort of William Hartnell impersonator you'll ever see, <laughs> and, and he's supposed to be at the center of this conspiracy to kill Nero.
1: I mean, great,
0: great disguise of so.
1: Yeah, there's and there's always this thing. I mean, it's it's a weird thing in this time of not just Doctor Who but TV where mm-hmm. we're fascinated by doubles, just sort of random doubles out there, and. Mm-hmm. They did it a couple times. I mean, they did it with with Troughton, most famously, right. in Enemy of the World, Enemy of the World, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it just it just sort of would crop up here and there. Whether it's like, you know, they had the robot duplicate of Hartnell at one point. Um, <laughs> all, all, yeah, it, it's a weird thing. But this uh, this guy who I guess they've mm-hmm. employed to to take down Nero. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird <laughs> weird choice. Yeah. <laughs> who might be available? Who is closer? Because he's also like here in this. What, what town is it? I forget. It's some town. I guess it's relatively close to. Uh, he's uh, from Corinth. Corinth, Corinth yeah. which is which is which, which is pretty Greek. far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah it's an island in the in the Greek islands. I think uh, Corinth. Um, so so far enough that maybe Nero has heard of his fame, and yeah. and will just sort of trust him. And thinks of himself as a great liar player himself, obviously. So he's going to want to get close to this guy.
1: So maybe that yeah. was the plan. So um, it would be like it's so far like Corinth is pretty far. It don't feels like it would take like a month to get to Rome, yeah. like sort of there and back. Plus the month they were already there. Like how long was yeah. this guy who was in the house they were squatting away or whatever? <laughs> like, and this is honestly like if we could cut to one of the questions that we answer, like where's the Clara Splinter? Yeah. I think she was the house sitter (laughs) for the house or whatever. She's just yeah, the one sending all the
0: servants away. Like, no, don't worry, we've got an Airbnb party coming in. Um, Yeah, totally good. They're going to be here for four weeks, just chill. Uh, And uh, yeah, and then also that allows the uh, the the uh, slave traders to come in and get access to the villa as well, if all the staffs being sent away.
1: Yeah, it just—it always struck me, honestly, even for, since the first time I watched it, so they could just walk into a house and sort of appropriate it, and it's like, well, isn't anything preventing that in even in Roman times? I mean, surely you would think, okay, I'm leaving my house for a while. You'd want to guard it somehow or have someone at least check in. <laughs> and so, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those things.
0: I mean, I, I stayed at Airbnbs up in the remotest part of Northern California where it's like they send you the instructions for getting into the Airbnb, and the instructions are yeah, the doors doors just open. Just go in. <laughs> it's good. When, when you've got that kind wow. of remoteness, right, that's kind of its own security in a lot of ways. Uh, right. Into, kind of just that cliff. Yeah. So. But. I love it that 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 the, the doctor is just sort of at this stage in his career basically standing up for Squatter's rights. He's just like <laughs> you know, screw the screw the TARDIS. And this may be the answer to to, you know, my question of like why did the randomizer bring us here? Um is uh, you know, the randomizer has for many pull to open episodes now, uh kind of made fun of the fact that I said that the the TARDIS, you know, I like stories with the TARDIS uh appearing mid story. And and it's kind of like, you know, well, okay, how about you know it showed us Genesis of the Daleks, which features zero Tardis, right? It showed us Frontios where the Tardis is destroyed. Um, uh, showed us uh, Clause of Axos, where the Master tries to get the Doctor's Tardis, and the, you know we see the interior of the Tardis the first time since the War Games. And now here we are in a story where the Tardis has basically been abandoned, right? It just fell off a cliff and they just left it there. They said, screw this for a game of soldiers. Let's find a nearby villa. And uh, and
1: in they go. It's very, yeah. very odd. Yeah, it'll be here when we get back. Yeah. <laughs> My theory on why the randomizer took us here is that it's... it's uh, I think it's just time for some lower stakes. Yeah. After Frontios and the Claws of Axos. Like Frontios was like the last human colony or, you know... Uh, the, the humanity was going to be doomed if they all died. The clause of access, the entire world was going to get eaten. Which, of course, you know, it's always Doctor Who. You got to have the world being threatened, but every now and then you got to, you know, you need a little um, Android Tara. You know, when it's and just you, like
0: you may think that's what this is, but you know, I, mm-hmm. as I've, I've just suggested, perhaps this is the Doctor bringing down the entire Roman Empire yeah. just kind of accidentally, <laughs> uh, which, which I love for right. it, like that it's we we've all misread it all this time there's kind of this uh this light farce uh right. you know that even even so like that even verity lambert was was like oh no we've gone too far um by the way this this serial had possibly the worst timing historically speaking uh of of almost any doctor Who serial because it is so sort of light and fluffy and farcical the third episode was broadcast right after the funeral of winston churchill
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Which is
0: just like uh, you don't really kind of want to lead from that into you know fat leader chasing girls around, uh, you yeah. know, burning his own city. That might seem a little sort of disrespectful to the Churchillian legend or whatever. And it did see a drop off. It had like it had thirteen mm. million viewers for the first episode, and then they they start dropping off after that. So it may have had something to do with. And people were just in a somber mood. They weren't looking forward to a farce. They should have saved it for the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Romans, the Olympics. Come on, guys. Right? Can't yeah. think of everything. Yeah, just save it one year. Um, yeah, so it's <laughs> it's kind of a curious, a yeah. you know, curious uh, coincidence. But yes, yeah. uh, I guess so- we do need to deal with the question of uh, what if the evil plot had succeeded.
1: Yeah, so like, there's multiple ways to interpret that here. I mean, is the evil <laughs> plot Nero's, which kind of does succeed, yeah. uh, or is it one of his subplots where he like he wanted to kill, uh, or have Ian and Delos kill each other, or you know wanted to have his way with Barbara, which is that feels like uh, no one mm. wants to see that succeeding. Um, nope. No, thank so, you. So, um, so what what do you think? What what would be a viable and interesting? a uh, success of an evil plot here.
0: Well, I think the interesting evil plot that we should look at is uh, Popeye's attempt to poison Barbara, which has oh. turned into Vicky's attempt to poison Nero. Right? And and mm-hmm. the doctor, you know, it's interesting that the doctor claims only at the end to understand that he's changed history. Uh, because if he was so certain in the belief that you can't change history, he wouldn't have to worry that Vicky had just accidentally poisoned Nero. Right. 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 You know, time would just somehow take care of it. It would heal itself. There would be, you know, someone would actually knock, knock the wine, accidentally knock the wine over with the poison in it.
1: Exactly. Right.
0: So that might be the evilest plot is his wife's plot to kill Barbara, which wouldn't have succeeded anyway, but might have succeeded in killing Nero, in which case Rome doesn't burn. Um, but you also get anarchy much earlier.
1: Uh, maybe the Roman Empire falls earlier. Or maybe somehow it's strengthened. <laughs> I don't <laughs> it know. Could be. Could Either be, falls get, earlier or... that you you know, Tavius's plan Tavius' like, plan... Presumably Tavius had a plan yeah. to... To a, a plan of succession, I guess, of like, okay, right. Nero's gone now, so now we move in with whatever candidate is the one that is going to be, you know, either convert to Catholic, uh, Christianity or or whatever, right? Well, it's um, interesting
0: that the, uh, so one of, uh, so th- actually Popeye's first husband was Nero's friend Otho, and uh, Otho was apparently very Nero-esque. And was was actually put up as one of these Nero pretenders afterwards, and hmm. was briefly on the imperial throne. Changed his name to like Nero Otho to kind of you know cash in on uh, Nero's <laughs> popularity. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that who knows maybe maybe that would have been the the plan of succession. Like just put in Nero lights and you can control him better. Um, hmm. Maybe, maybe this is the conditions that we need for the Iron Legion. Do you remember the uh, the Iron Legion, the the Doctor Who comic strip? Yeah, um, I remember it. Refresh my one. memory though; I haven't one read it in a very long time. First ones, yeah, it's one mm. of the very first uh, Tom Baker comic strips. That, like uh, that, they started the the original issue of, of Doctor Who magazine. I believe it was Doctor Who Weekly to start with, and mm. uh, and it had the first episode of the Iron Legion. In it. I remember they, it they was, reprinted those in Marvel comics too. Yeah. 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 And it's so good because it's drawn by Dave Gibbons who did Watchmen. Um, mm. And it's really just stellar art. But the, but the doctor emerges in a parallel world where uh, the Roman empire didn't fall. It lasted for thousands right. of years and it spread into space. Uh, so it's sort of this wonderful sort of uh, space opera, Roman empire kind of thing. Um, and really, really one of the best Doctor Who comic strips, even now, um, and uh, fondly remembered by fans. So maybe that's, maybe that's what we're we're going towards here. If if the plot succeeds and Nero mm. is killed,
1: so it strengthens the re- Empire, leads mm. to uh, thousands of years of Roman rule, and the Iron yeah. Legion becomes a real thing. Yeah, Love it, perhaps. Yes. Wow. So it did succeed he... in some universe, and that gets corrected <laughs> and maybe by the, the Doctor. Uh...
0: Yeah, maybe the uh, the Ninth Legion were not then killed by the Eaters of Light. Oh um, yeah, because that was after Scotland. Scotland.
1: Yeah, that was like in the second century, end of the first century.
0: Yeah, yeah, like a few yeah. hundred years later, I think.
1: Yeah, huh. yeah. Reign of Hadrian.
0: Nice. So, we're yeah. going with this. They, they did squeeze in. We we should mention. Speaking of attendant media, there was uh, there there are two novels uh, in in, the, in the, the the month when we think they're all lazing around eating grapes in the villa. There's actually a bunch of stuff happening in the novels, right? Uh, mm. Byzantium is one of them, which I think we yeah, cover the chase.
1: Yeah, and there's, there's actually another one called Roman Cutaway or Roman's Cutaway, <laughs> which I think is a reference to the Roman Daleks. H- yeah, oh, I guess now I get it. Roman Cutaway, <laughs> Roman Holiday. Okay, that's better. <laughs> I was I was thinking, I was again in my Doctor Who world, I was thinking of Mission of the Unknown, uh, which is also affectionately known as Dalek Cutaway. Oh, hilarious. No. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> could um, be, could be, could be a deep cut. Yeah, I hadn't read either of those. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, a, a period where you could fill in as many things as you wanted. And I think, you know, we've already got our Ian and Barbara shipper hats on on that period. So everyone, I think, is entitled mm-hmm. to throw whatever adventures they want in that month long in the uh, the Roman Villa. But yeah, I got to say, poor, poor yeah, Vicky, well, not getting a proper re- adventure on her first outing. And I do think she's great though, as a she's, she's delighted to be witnessing history throughout. And I got sort of echoes of bill a little bit in this room, by either bill is an echo of this kind of attitude as a companion, mm. especially when you're a rookie companion, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm traveling around in history. This is awesome. I love traveling with the doctor. Good stuff.
0: Yeah. That's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, we, we, we don't give enough Vicky uh, a credit for Vicky, I think, uh, in, in terms of proving that you could replace a companion, right. Mm. That you could replace one of the core members of the TARDIS team and the show would go on right long before Bill Hartnell gave way to Patrick Troughton. There was, you know, uh, Caroline Ford giving way to Maureen O'Brien and, and, and it worked and not only did it work, it, it produced a new archetype for companions, and you can arguably see, you know, a little bit of a little bit of Clara, maybe a little bit of Amy Pond, a little bit of Sarah Jane in in the way that Vicky's behaving, or maybe a little bit of Joe Grant, if you if you prefer. But it's kind of that archetype of the companion who's just so, so, so thrilled to be there. Um and and can't resist jumping in and potentially changing history.
1: Yeah, it's just one of those great things about the show that you as a viewer you get to see. This experience through fresh eyes every few couple of years, or you know, whenever uh, someone new comes in, and it's always a little bit different. It's it's a similar tune, but um, as we saw with Bill, like had the the notes are different, and yeah. the way they can be played often can even lend new light into the show itself. Like when she observed that, um, you know, the the Dardist does lip sync. Uh, yeah, I was going to say nobody little, notices yeah. here.
0: Nobody notices here that the Taj is doing lip sync or translating Latin. Yeah, um, it took a while for that know. to happen.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess so. I guess they just sort of assume everyone speaks English. You know,
1: well, this uh, will become English a cool big conversation when, when we finally get to Mask of Mandragora. We'll we'll talk about this <laughs> extensively on uh, why it took everyone so long. Um, but. Bottom line on this one: do we have a do we have a Dalek, an Ogron, or a Viscount Banger? What do we have in the Romans? I, uh, for me, it's a Dalek, but it's sort of
0: a a uh, almost too silly Power Rangers Dalek.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, it's a new <laughs> paradigm know. Dalek. you kind of admire yeah. it for for its uh, um, it's colorfulness. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's, of, you know. it's got tood. You're kind of happy it's there. It's kind of like this is what I thought. It's kind of like a it's like a Dalek that falls from a high place, Mm. you know, and it it, it explodes. You're kind of glad that happened and you love the the whole spectacle of it, even though it's not really representative of why you love Daleks generally. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's true.
0: Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I I think we we concur on that. Like it's it's a it's a light bit of doggerel in in Doctor Who terms, but it was important in in fleshing out the show and showing what it could do and showing what a new companion could do, uh, and yeah, in and uh, showing what you could do with sets and making us uh, all learn one one Latin phrase because Ian keeps repeating it. O tempora, o mores, which literally <laughs> translates to "Oh, did the you times. look Oh, oh o- o- the times, O the customs." It's a Cicero phrase. Uh, oh, what times! Oh, what customs! Uh, it's 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 sort of like he's completely misusing it because he's just sort of like <laughs> drunk and laying around, like oh the times, oh the customs, and uh, well, Mister History School. T- no, he's not even a, the historian, is he? His is the historian? And then Ian right. is what is it? What's he? What's his thing? He's he's his science. science. He, yes, yeah. that's Boiled right. Law. So- so explains why he kind of just, you know, charges about thinking he's Mark Antony, uh, you know, do, doing the famous speech <laughs> in uh, Julius Caesar, right? And then oh, completely misuses O tempora Mores, which is supposed to be like, oh, these, these times are rubbish, you know?
1: He's, he's using mm. the opposite term, like, oh, the, these times are great. Yeah. Grapes. Mm. Maybe he's knowingly doing that. He's yeah, turning I mean, things on his head, just like the episode does. So I'll, I'll give indeed, him a pass. Indeed. It's fine. All right. All right. All right. Mr. Chesterfield.
0: <laughs> As Barbara's the doctor again us. calls
1: him. Yeah. Uh, it's time to find out where we're going next, Chris. We are departing the classical period, and we are entering the TARDIS with our randomizer, which, of course, is made of two components, right. the codex and the executor. I have the codex open. Are you ready with the executor, also known as random.org? I am. Random.org, yes.
0: Yes, uses atmospheric noise. (laughs) Unlike the uh, for for the uh, for the borrowed randomizer, uh, which we used for the for the last uh, journey that took us to the Romans, Uh, that was using uh, a, a computer's attempt at random numbers which you know Mm. stuff like javascript can do a very good algorithmic guess at a random number but it's actually actual random we need atmospheric noise uh, so that's what random org provides i plugged in the number one to represent an unearthly child and 300 to represent yes you guessed it legend of the sea devils uh (laughs) and the randomizer will either give us those or it will give us somewhere in between or it will Um, ignore the challenges
1: uh, we're about to give it
0: Yes, well, Pete, would you would you like to issue the first challenge?
1: Yeah, sure. I want another historical. Ooh. let's do okay. that. Which could be, it's a good if we if it goes for it, it'll be probably another first doctor episode, or yeah. Black or Orchid. Like, yeah, <laughs> or the Highlanders. Uh, uh, well, yeah, there you go. The Highlanders was was sort of the last one until Black Orchid, and right. then I I think there's. Did we already do one? I think we talked about this. I think we did the there might be one in the new series that we we might have already done. I can't remember. I think there, there's I at least is, like is one. Is there
0: anything truly right. historical in the new series?
1: Uh I'm I'm going to have to yeah, get back well, to you. Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, do do write in and let us know, uh fam. Um yeah, uh I I'm, I'm going to give it the opposite challenge, uh which is take us to the most ahistorical episode of Doctor Who. take us to a story that just takes history and throws it in the trash um Mm. you know and and i'm including stuff like kill the moon on this like that's (laughs) i would count that as extremely (laughs) future future uh, future ahistorical yes um so yeah let's let's see uh where we end up and pete will look it up in the codex and you want to give me a countdown sir
1: Giving you the countdown in three, two, one. Don't blink. 142. 142 is time locked. It's the mysterious planet. Oh. We just bounced off. Wow. It wanted to take again. us to Trial of a Time Lord again. I know.
0: Yeah, which is kind of—it's very ahistorical in the way that it moved Earth around with its solar flares around let's the galaxy. Do one
1: forty-three. Let's do. Let's do. Minor. <laughs> no, no, no. Got to do it no, in no, order. No, no. <laughs> All right. No, same challenges. Do yes. Do it again. Four, three, two, one.
0: Unstable. One thirty-eight. It's staying close. One thirty-eight is
1: the mark of the Ronde. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah! So you got your wish. This is pro- this could be the most ahistorical.
0: That's <laughs> possible. Interesting. Uh, I I can't say that I have
1: seen it. there's there's some history maybe. in there, but I think it's all out of place and out of whack I, I, from what I've read. But as you, we're definitely going to have to do a Chris History Corner when we do this. Yes. Oh, you yeah, know why? Locked. Why else? Because it's set in a mining village in the northeast
0: of England, mm-hmm. which is exactly where I grew up. Oh, well, there it is. Not in the 19th century uh, when when this is set, but sometime sometime later. I won't say how much time later, but sometime later. The flora and
1: fauna will be similar. So you can tell us how authentic it looks. Um, So we'll see you guys there then. It's going to be a little while, though, because Chris and I have to take uh, an extended break. Uh, We've been uploading weekly for a while, and we've been very proud of that. But... We both have day jobs and lives and they've caught up with us. So we're going to be away for a few weeks before you hear from us again. But when you do, we will be diving deep into this Colin Baker two-parter. Sorry, I almost said four-parter, but these are two 45-minute parts. The mark of the Ronnie. Um, and uh, until yeah. then, though, please leave us a review on your podcast service. Please follow us on the socials. We're at Pull to Open on TikTok and pull to open 63 on twitter and instagram tell your friends about us share about the share the podcast far and wide um and we'll see you next time chris yeah any final uh, final thoughts
0: well that, that is of course the cover story uh what what we shouldn't tell them is we've actually found an airbnb in ancient rome in 64 ad so uh <laughs> we're on our way there to eat grapes for a few weeks and uh You know, quite, quite possibly change history while we're there, and uh, we will, we will see
1: you next time. Yeah, I'm bringing my ahistorical spectacles so that (laughs) I can hold them behind myself and hopefully burn something to the ground. Guys, it's been great. We will talk to you again soon. Bye bye.